podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show. Good to have you with us. And it was great to see so many of you at Spurs yesterday for the first of two London games this season. Wasn't a classic by any stretch, but it was just brilliant to be out there in front of football once again. And there's more where that came from because we're back on Sunday. Uh, this time I'll be on the BBC with Iron Mike, OC and J-Bell for uh, Jags Dolphins. So cannot wait uh, for that one for round two. But that is all to come because today we are all about what happened yesterday and there was plenty to get into. A kicking Armageddon. Sunday Night Football, the Bills laying down a serious marker. They are looking legit. Green Bay coming up on the inside rail. Not many people talking about them. Should we be taking the Packers seriously? Loads more to get into. And of course, only one man to get you up to speed. It's the brilliant Iron Mike with our Monday review show. And Mike, good to see you. A ton to get into today. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, absolutely. <laughs> what, uh, nine minutes. That was a nine, bit sarcastic. No, nine minutes ago, I got a four-page running order from, from Ali, the producer. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a running order? <laughs> yeah. Well, two of the pages were blank. It was like one of my college oh, okay. four-page papers where I numbered the pages one, two, four. Um, <laughs> Smart. But but um, yeah, that that happened. And then when you go into Zoom, do you notice that, you know, you you I, I sent Ollie after I got that, I sent him a picture of Clarence Williams, the second with a question mark. Yeah. And then I was amazed to get Link back to the Zoom meeting because he was the guy who played Link in the mod squad. Ollie is smart. He's the brains of the operation, Mike. Yeah, well obviously. And but but anyway, then when you go to Zoom and it mm. says the host will let you into the meeting mm-hmm. in a few minutes, you know, or pre- whatever it says. How do they know? How do they know the host isn't going to mess with your mind and not let you in at all? When you you started this whole bit by saying when you go into Zoom, I was picturing a club in the early 80s that I might used to frequent with his his Tom Selleck Tash called called Zoom. I would have been there when I was in in college after every weekend we got together and presented a a pair of of glasses, kind of Mm. Elton John-ish glasses that had a big Z and two O's for the eyes and a big M at the end. And it was called the Zoom Award to the person who had performed the most disgustingly during the party this, this weekend. Amazing. I'm like, again, I want photographic evidence of this. So please dig it out. Um, uh, speaking of which, Mike, uh, my... Uh, my agent's got me on a flight to Cincinnati this afternoon. So we've got to be quick on this show because I'm trying out to be the Bengals new kicker at around four o'clock this afternoon. So if I could borrow your blue jacket for that interview. <laughs> Worth a try. I mean, that's the theme. Isn't this, the, it's like the, the week of kicking dangerously. Um, the, 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 the theme of, of the, I mean, I couldn't believe some, oh. of, some of the stuff, um, including the, um, the college game where, you know, if you watched Alabama's loss, um, and actually watching watching Sand, uh, watching the Chargers against um, Cleveland was kind of like watching a college game from the Big 12 or now the SEC. But the kick that beat Alabama looked like a backdoor slider. It, it, it was headed about 15 feet to the left of the post and then all of a sudden broke back and went in. And I thought, boy, that's great. And then you watch the NFL games and there were so many kicks that did exactly the opposite. They were headed for the middle of the post and then they broke to the left and, well, and hooked since he kicked, I thought he made that made it right. And that was funny. McPherson, yeah, I did it. I did it. <laughs> we'll get into we'll get into that game. A lot of lot of games to get into. Um, we're going to dive into the mailbag. We're going to pepper uh, those tweets because most of you want to touch on Twitter at the NC Show uh, if you want to follow suit. Uh, get into as many of those as possible. Um, Mike, congratulations on answering quite a few of them already. On although you showed some restraint, you aren't started answering them, and then you started referring them to the NC Show. So you, that's right. That's did right. Well, you, 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 yeah. you reconciled it. It was good. Let's lead off with Sunday Night Football. I am Mike uh, and a brilliant all round performance from the Buffalo Bills. I want to start by giving some props to their defense because we're going to get into the problems with the Chiefs D and whether they can sort all that out. But the game plan from Buffalo's defense is what I want to deep dive on with you. Didn't blitz at all, Mike. No, um, which is a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know what I've been saying all each week we have the same discussion or I, I have the same discussion somewhere we, you know the chiefs are finished what's happened what's happened and i keep saying the same thing what's happened is todd bowles 
they watched Tampa's game plan from the Super Bowl and everybody with half a brain is trying to do their own version of it. And the Bills, as I said before, um, although I still picked the Chiefs, sadly, but I did say beforehand <laughs> that the Bills are better equipped to do that because that's kind of the game that they play anyway. Mm. Um, they don't blitz that much. They they hope for, you know, to, to get their pass rush from four man rush. Um their linebackers and safeties are very good at playing what we call robber coverage, which is dropping back into those crossing lanes. And they play too deep, you know, most of the time. You know, I think I think I saw a stat that they had played it 50 percent of the time. Um, but that's that's basically what the game plan is. Do not let Tyreek Hill beat you deep. Mm-hmm. Make them beat you coming in incremental incrementals up the field, not chunk, not the big chunk plays that hurt you. We saw last last week when the Eagles let Tyree kill beat them on an incremental play. And that was, that was the beginning of their downfall. Hill ran a crossing route, beat, beat the two safeties to the corner and went for the touchdown. You can't let them do that. And, and that's basically what happened in, in this game. Um, but Mike on that, it, it absolutely bang on. But for a long time, people have looked at neutralizing the deep threat and the, and the Chiefs have beaten them by death by a thousand cuts, I think, as OC described. Yeah. So what's yeah. changed there? Why can't they get that side of it going? If the deep threat's oh, gone and everyone's dropping back, why can't they get Yeah, that one, of, one, of the things, one of the things from the defensive point of view is you have to have, you have, to have you play nickel and you have to have two very quick linebackers. Matt Milano is, is doing the same thing that Devin White and Levante David did for the Bucks, right. but more importantly for the Chiefs' offense, they don't have that reliable third weapon um, that they had in, say, Sammy Watkins yeah. um, behind Kelsey and and uh, Hill. Uh, Hardman just you know has, has not really delivered, but even if he did, he's n- another Hill. He, he's not like the change of right. pace that that they real that they really need. The offensive line was supposed to be better than it is. Um, the rebuild offensive line. And, and, you know, that surprises me because I thought the, I thought the parts were there, but, but they haven't been as good as advertised. Could, and, that, can we elaborate on that a little bit? Cause we had Ollie Connolly on the show last week and he was singing the, the chiefs offensive line praised and saying it maybe has even surpassed expectations. So why are you so down on it? Well, I'm not down on it, but but it's well, not. You, are. I mean, you just said it hasn't, well, hasn't lived up. To it, ha- it hasn't met expectations, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, Trey Smith has been really good at guard, which which surprised people. But I thought he had a lot of talent. He was one of the people who went to this lineman camp, and you know, and you could see it in the videos that they released. Um, the disappointment has been more from the tackle side. Uh, and, you know, that would that was supposed to be the good moves. And now Joe Tooney is um, hurt. I think he I think he broke a bone in his hand or something. So I, I don't know whether he plays or not. Um, but the the other thing is that Mahomes for a couple of weeks, I thought, was trying to make too many plays. He was and he was trying to do it in the spectacular fashion. Um, right. And this is part of the Chiefs, as I said, it's part of the Chiefs offense as you, as you hit the you hit the chunk plays. Um, I think they may also miss Williams uh, at running back uh, as a change of pace from Clive Edwards Hilaire, who's now, I think, out for yeah, and possibly for, for a long time. But this week, Mahomes was missing passes. I mean, straightforward passes. It wasn't that he was, you know, trying to put a blindfold over his eyes and then hit the receiver double covered on a crossing route. Um, he was missing straightforward passes. And that I think is unusual and, and sort of a sign, a sign of the times. Um, Frustration. Is that, uh, I mean, a loss of form. Is it one of those things where great players have dips in form from time to time? We don't expect them, we expect them to be playing at 10 out of 10 every time, but is it, is it a combination of those things also, I guess as well. And we've got to factor in the context of, the start to the season the Chiefs have had schedule-wise, right? I mean, it must be. A oh, month. yeah, absolutely. It's been a very tough. Every game pretty much has been has been a tough game, um, which you get when you, you know, when you win your conference and you, you're, you're thereby scheduled for four tougher games. Um, this was the kind of game. And, and again, you know, you, you can put it down to, to me, like the, the offensive pass interference on Josh Gordon was kind of the turnaround play of the game. Mm. And and that's one of those calls where, you know, yeah, but 
you know, was he be, was he being contacted at the line? You know, was, was someone jacking him up at the line? So he just maintained contact or was he deliberately, I think it's a bit of both. Um, but you know, when, when, whenever Carl checkers is, um, I call him Carl checkers because everybody else is playing chess and he's playing <laughs> checkers. Um, whenever Carl checkers, what is are you better referee, at like uh, chess or checkers incidentally? <laughs> probably checkers yeah, like, 50, 50 pounds yeah, on the table Nate, you go Nate, chess. yeah I, I used to nate and i played chess in the bobby fisher museum in iceland a, a few years ago which was lots of fun um and he nearly beat he nearly beat me then and he was only like 13 I think. <laughs> um but uh just just to finish that you know and and um the interception yeah mahomes didn't see Hyde, who who was in the robber, basically that he's playing that robber in that he's coming up the middle behind um, Tyreek Hill, but he'll catches that ball. Mm. He'll supposed to catch that ball. You know, it's not supposed to go through to Hyde. So you know that that is is the the the, the straw that breaks the camel's back, and mm-hmm. and you 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 really just can't depend on this Chiefs team to do what Mahomes has done. You know, in the playoffs against Houston, coming back from from what was it 20 21 nothing down or mm. 24 nothing down i think it was in the first half and leading 28 24 they, you know you can't expect that to happen all the time especially mm. when you're playing teams with good defenses or defenses as good um as buffalo's i did love the play where they lined up uh kelsey at quarterback and then he went in motion and Hill lined up a quarterback and then he went in motion and Mahomes moved in at quarterback. <laughs> they scored a touchdown. I, I don't think as a, as, as a result of, of whatever they had done, but given what they had done, they had to score a touchdown or else everyone would just be right. laughing. We'd be laughing uh, at, at them completely. See, you mentioned the, 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 maybe the lack of depth is, is a fair way to describe it in terms of the, the options around Mahomes. In contrast, it feels that the Bills are rich there. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders might prove to be one of the shrewdest pickups of the season. Dawson Knox, obviously stepping up year on year. Do you feel this offense is, we know the defense is great shakes, but this Bill's offense is significantly improved year on year. Yeah. And, and they're doing it um, oddly enough with a, I would say adequate, but not outstanding offensive line. My favorite lineman in their line is Mitch Morse, who used to play for the Chiefs, um, who I think is really good. Um, and he had one, he had one of those horrible Carl Checkers holding calls um, where where you may you know you you grab a bit of jersey while you're while you're inside, but it's not like you're pulling the guy back by it, you know, um, which is is supposed to be the um, the definition. And the Bills do it. Because um, because Josh Allen gives them that that ability to make the be- make more of the offensive line the way that Mahomes does. Right um, now, I think you should blitz Allen more, um, try to contain him, but but blitz him, send an extra rusher, which which um, the Chiefs didn't do, uh, but just try to make it hard for him because that's high stakes poker, though, isn't it? If you if you roll if you're playing that. It is. It it is because if he breaks the pocket, then it, you're you're really dead, as we saw. And and what you don't want to do is have Daniel Sorensen in single high coverage because mm. that's that's not his that's, that's not, not his strong very well. his strong point. No, I like Daniel Sorensen a lot, but but he doesn't have the range to be a single I high safety. That. My one of my favorite points of of the game and the, the broadcast is when the Sunday Night Football crew was showing the the Chiefs uh, defensive idents. You know the Legereus Need Louisiana Tech. And as they were, they hadn't finished it, and Alan was already bursting through on like a twenty-five yard <laughs> run, running through all of the players as they could have appeared on the screen, which kind of set the tone for the night. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a bad weekend for the networks. Well, I mean, not that I saw it, but but you know, I kept seeing things on Twitter about mm. about Fox being in commercial while a touchdown was scored, or while you know, there um, there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Um, it's, <laughs> I think they. <laughs> there ought to be a better way to do it, you know, like like being the NFL, they could stop the play, you know, as they're lined up at the line of scrimmage and then have a cameraman come on the field and just go down the line of scrimmage, you know, <laughs> and, and, and oh, they do, do it that. live. I like that idea. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, why not? They they do they do almost every, everything else live. You know? Let's talk about this Chiefs defense because we we know it's no great shakes, Mike. We we've known that all season long. And we talked about the the schedule they've had toughest in 
the league so far, I think it's fair to say. No Chris Jones. And as you pointed out on the show last week, this is a unit that under Spags typically gets better as the season goes on. So is there a, a fairly credible argument here that we mustn't overreact that this Kansas City defense will be good enough when it comes to the playoffs or is there serious cause for concern based on what you good, said? good enough for the key words, because that's really all it needs to be. Right. Um, I mean, Chardavius, Chardavius Ward wasn't there. Frank Clark hasn't been there at all, which was yeah. the guy, which is really kind of the guy they need to, to create some pressure. Um, but with him and Jones both out, you know, that, that, that's really major. Um, and, and I think, as with so many defenses, it all boils down to the front. You know, if, if you can't get pressure, then you are not going to survive with their secondary. Mm. Um, and that's what happened with, with Josh Allen. They, they never really had him in, in any trouble. And, and when they do, they, um, um, he, he breaks out of it and makes plays. And, you know, and I guess that his signature play of the game comes toward the end when he hurdles, the hurdle, yeah. hurdles Sneed, who, you know, you got to hit him low. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I did this once. I've told the story before, so I won't tell it again. But, you know, when Doug Swift hurdled me, I just reached up and grabbed his ankle and pulled him down and, and got I'm glad it was his ankle you grabbed that. Yeah. And, and got away with it. Yeah. Um, you know, and the Did coaches, you ever try a hurdle in your tight 10 days, Mike? Did I ever try a hurdle? Yeah, I tried to hurdle hurdle the grass basically <laughs> on every ball I caught. Um, and yeah, sometimes succeeded and sometimes didn't. What a tie to the mailbag for the first time. Okay. Uh, Tiberius Jolly. Hey, Tiberius. As a Bills fan, he says, Mike, who's old enough to have been hurt before. How long before I start believing people when they talk about us as the team of the AFC? Are the Bills right now the best team in the AFC, do you think? Yes. Um, and I, I don't think that's hard to say right now. Um, they, you know, the Chiefs would have been the main contenders. Right now, I think the Chargers are, are on the up, but the Bills are kind of more complete than the Chargers. Mm. Although it's funny because MVP talk started two weeks ago, I think. And last, last week, Kyler Murray was the sure thing and MVP of the league. And then the only they only got 17 points. Um, so now it's Justin Herbert. Now, no, now it's, now it's Josh Allen because Josh Allen was on the Sunday night primetime game. Oh, of course, and yeah, and yeah. the key to being, being voted MVP or being voted MVP and waiting is to have your big game on the Sunday night primetime game when everybody's wow. watching it. Nobody watches the chargers, mm. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I hate to say that because, you know, it should be more people than when they were in San Diego, but, but basically they're not the first team, but I think Herbert right now would be, mm. if I had to vote right now, I would vote for Herbert. Because yeah. I think, you know, he he's visibly on uh, Allen's got more support. Allen's got, you know, and yeah. Herbert Herbert's got a couple of great receivers. You know, they're, they're great um, back seven, um, not so great in the in the front four. But Bosa, Bosa is there, you know, as a threat. So I, I think they're, a rel you know, they're relatively good uh, contenders. Baltimore is probably this, right now the second best if they win tonight. I think everyone will agree with that. Um, Cleveland can't be written off just because they lost a lost a big 12 kind of shootout game. <laughs> well, let's get into that game so uh 47 42 uh so an absolute thriller extraordinary numbers when you, you look at them on the page mostly yeah mostly in the fourth quarter 41 <laughs> points in the fourth quarter exactly <laughs> yeah. a, a thousand and twenty four yards of offense and just one turnover between both sides let's talk about that that charges offense a little bit more um because herbert as you've identified mike playing brilliantly and, and improving significantly year on year. And that's a, a a solid jump because he had a good rookie season, of course. Mike Williams is the comeback kid, really. I mean, he's got to be in that, seeing as we're throwing out awards already in week five, Mike, the comeback player of the year. I think he's on that shortlist. Austin Eckler, so fundamental to this offense as well. He had a big game against Cleveland. Explain a little bit more to our listeners about how the Chargers are using Eckler and how they have developed this offense around some of those key pieces you mentioned. Yeah, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting situation because they're basically using him as their prime and and main main running back. Mel, Melvin Gordon takes a sort of secondary role, although he, he was nominally the starter. And Eckler was looked at as being a third down back, but he's obviously much more than that. Um, but the threat of his threat of pass receiving, um, his ability to find holes, when, and they're they're primarily a sort of zone blocking team um 
makes makes their deep makes their offense much more um three-dimensional than, than it would be otherwise but basically it does boil down to Keaton Allen and Mike Williams being able to get open. Mm. Um, Mike Williams shouldn't be able to get open the way he was <laughs> on one of those touchdown catches where the safeties just kind of waved to him as he went by. <laughs> you know, say, "Hey, Mike, <laughs> where, are you, where are you going?" Well, on oh, that, yeah. because with so much, so much offense in the game, you've got to obviously ask questions about the respective D and the Browns. I guess maybe have, uh, even though they're on the the wrong end of the result, they maybe have more. Uh, of a, a, a rationale excuse here because they had no Greg Newsom. Clowney was out. Denzel Ward got banged up as well. So in a way, it's more understandable that they gave up 47 points and the Chargers giving up 42, isn't it? Yeah, well, the Chargers have given up lots of points. Um, I, and, and I think, uh, like I said, that apart from Bosa, they, they miss Ingram, basically. They miss having a second, a second rusher. Cleveland's defense has been good, um, but it it's... Strength is basically based on the pass rush, may, helping the secondary out, make, making the secondary look better. Um, and the Chargers did a pretty good job of, of neutralizing that that pass rush, mm. which is partly a bear because uh, a bear moves very well uh, out of the pocket. And um, um, I know that you, there's a question about him in the uh, in the mailbag somewhere. Mm, yeah, um, I'll go to it now. Good, good uh, spot from Mags the Elder. Mike, thanks for uh, the question, Mags. Why didn't Ebert get picked first overall in his draft class? Yeah, well, there's a simple reason for that. It was Joe Burrow. And, and Joe Burrow had just a, a tremendous senior year at LSU. Um, and, did, and, you know, and not only led them to the national championship, but did so while checking all the boxes for what you want in an NFL quarterback um, who won't need that much development. Now, I liked, if you remember, I liked... A bear. <laughs> I love saying that um, better than Tua, you know, um, partly because Alabama tends to distort our perceptions of, of uh, quarterback play. And Tua's got a great big arm. I, I knew that. But also his injury history made him sort of questionable as to moving in right away. And I think it was I think it was Mitchell Schwartz. Um, or Jeff Schwartz, one of one of one of the two Schwartz brothers who pointed out what I had sort of noticed without encapsulating it that in his last few games at Oregon and the bowl game, the coaches let him loose. Um, they really had kept him in as a sort of pocket quarterback. And when he was running and, and making things happen, he was a completely different player. And if you right. ba you based your evaluation on just those last, say, three games and and the playoffs, you would think, OK, this guy's really good. And I went back and you know looked at as much as I could and thought, yeah, you know, um, he's right. Uh, this mm -hmm. and this this guy is really good. And and, you know, we talk a lot about the situations you go into um, the Chargers were not a, a terrible team, not as bad as Burroughs and the Bengals, you know, right. the, who left him, who left him to get hit a lot. And, yeah, and, much eventually, line in, you know. and eventually he got, he got um, injured um, and they had some better offensive weapons for her, for Herbert to, um, to be able to take advantage of. And this year, you know, now he's got a more wide open kind of philosophy, which, which helps him out a lot. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I put him in the upper echelon of NFL quarterbacks right now, um, even though it, you know it's a small sample size. Uh, let's speaking of quarterback rankings, let's look at the Browns and Baker in particular, because uh, some people are suggesting Stefanski was a little bit too conservative, and others are saying, well, he was because this is the fundamental problem with Baker. He'll be fine and solid, but he can't necessarily turn a game uh, and, and win a game. And of course, he's had opportunities to do that. Another question we've had in for the mailbag from Lugs, is, is Baker the answer, he asked, because in both our losses, we've had the ball on the final drive and we failed to convert both times. Is this the, the fundamental problem with this construct, uh, uh, the Brown side, that it is, as you've pointed out, great defensively, serious weapons around Baker. And as long as he doesn't throw it away and mess it up, we'll be fine. But at some point, that isn't going to be enough. Yeah, well, he doesn't have the receiving weapons he's supposed to have, which sure. I think I think was a big factor in not being able to to make that last drive work. Now, remember, they had no timeouts. Um, now, why San Diego? I keep calling them San Diego. <laughs> they are San Diego to me. Yeah, why the why the it. why the Chargers didn't take three knees and winning goal mm. still baffles me. They mm. were out. They had them out of timeouts. 
they could have killed all the clock down to six seconds or whatever, and then kick the field goal. And no matter what mistakes your kicker had made when, when you have the ball at the three yard line, and it, it, it is, it's an old fashioned extra point. You don't miss many of those. Um, I don't understand why they did that. And the Browns were smart enough to pull Eckler into the end zone to get the ball back. Mm. Um, so, you know, it did leave some problems, but I agree when you're a run-based team, which is what the Browns are, even more so than the Ravens, uh, they lead the NFL in rushing right now. Um, you do have that problem if you don't have a Landry or a Beckham or whatever available to to stretch the field. And they couldn't. That, that was the problem. They couldn't stretch the field on those on those first few plays, it took mm. them, what was it, five plays or something in 45 seconds or 50 seconds just to get up to sort of the 40 where, where then you can try Hail Marys at least. Um, but it, it was it was really frustrating to watch. But I wouldn't blame it solely on, on Baker. Mm. You know, I also think it's interesting that Chubb runs a lot early in the game and then Hunt runs when you're behind. Uh, which makes a certain amount of sense. Although Chubb, like Derrick Henry, will break the occasional huge run, mm-hmm. but basically, you you know, they needed Hunt in there t- to widen their. They couldn't go deep. Um, Higgins isn't really going to Rashad Hill isn't mm-hmm. going to kill you deep, but they needed to at least go wide, and Hunt gave them that option, um, which Chubb didn't necessarily do. Interesting and and really important, as we, we've touched on a few times already on this show, is. is You've got to look at the the context there before we say, well, let's write off Baker. This Browns offense isn't going to be good enough in crunch time. Well, as Mike says, missing some fundamental pieces. Same thing with the Chiefs and the defense. We know it's not great, but missing some fundamental pieces that should be back, could be back, will be back. And uh, and we've got to put that into context before everybody writes them off. One line from Brandon Staley was interesting. Ollie, uh, Ollie, our producer, pulled it out. To win a game like this turns into a track meet. You have to have a superstar quarterback, and that's <laughs> what he is. So looking at the year-on-year progression, we've talked about it, talked around it. What are the main things, quickly, on uh, Justin Herbert that, that you've seen year-on-year where he's tangibly improved as an NFL starter? Well, it's only a second year. Um, so, um, I, I just think his vision of the game is good and it has been, you know, and, and he's learned, he's learned, um, what's available and he's got, you know, Staley, although he's a defensive coach was actually a quarterback. Right. And, 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 um, and, um, understands, understands the offense that they're, that they're running. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's easy. Staley had the most interesting quote of the week early after the games last week when he said um, that that you don't need the running game to set up play action, which is true. Um, yeah, you know, some of some of the best play action teams actually have lousy running games, but it's just the idea that that defense have to account for. But he said you need it because football is a physical game and you have to be able to take the game to the defense teams that are completely reliant on passing tend to play a reactive, um, a, a, a passive offense. In other words, your line is always pass blocking. So right. you're not, you're not taking it and, and you're not tiring the defense and mm. you're not winning the battle of possession necessarily. And I found that was really interesting because I think that's what they would like to do. You know, and that's what they want to do with, with Eckler and and um, Justin Jackson. Is it Justin Jackson who's the, the the number two guy? Brilliant. Right. Let's move on to to Green Bay Cincinnati, the uh, aforementioned uh, kicker hell. Uh, but it's quite extraordinary really, that that's what everybody's talking about with this game when it was uh, a matchup that saw Aaron Rodgers move to fifth in all time career touchdown passes. Devontae Adams had two hundred. Over 200 yards, averaging, incidentally, almost 19 yards a catch. But of course, this was all about the kickers. My favorite line, quite possibly the season so far, Mike, uh, was from Mason Crosby, who who got it right in the end, having missed three consecutive attempts in the postgame presses. He said that Lafleur had asked him, what do you think? And he said, Back to his coach. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't doubt it for a second. You know, once it, 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 it was like it was like 35, 36 yards was was his kryptonite. Um, right. You know, the, the first miss on the field goal was from almost exactly the point where he missed the extra point. Um, but when you get to 49, it's, you know, and, and I, if you watch, if you watch, he had a nice, relaxed swing on it. 
Mm. Um, it's like golf. Being a kicker is like being a golfer. Really. Don't ever think it and tense up. Yeah, and, and tense up, and then you then you uh, slice or hook the ball, um, which is what, what was happening to these guys um, in the game. I thought it was funny that they sent him out for the overtime coin toss, and he missed the coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> that was what that's what worried me worried me the most. But Have you ever seen Mike? You've covered the game for uh, many years. Have you ever seen anything like that? All those kicks in, in such close the, succession. I'll tell you what it reminded me of. I, I had a, a practice. Um, my my, my sec, second ju- junior year in college on the varsity, um, there were two of us at tight end. They moved me to split end so that both of us could play. But that really wasn't the answer because I didn't have the quickness to, to really be the split end. So um, after a loss, the, the head coach who hated me had this kind of practice catch off whoever, you know, whoever caught the most passes and I never dropped passes. This is absolutely true. I think I dropped one in three years playing. And that was cause I, that was cause I was in the end zone. And I got hit. <laughs> I got hit like three steps after I'd caught the ball. And then I was they thinking, I thought you were going to say it's cause I was already targeted twice. <laughs> yeah. But, but anyway, the two of us missed every pass that was thrown to us. And so he started the other guy, <laughs> which is kind of like what I did. Why did the coach hate you, Mike? Um, I wasn't his, I didn't buy into his Marine Corps kind of attitude toward, toward division three football. And our line coach didn't like me cause I had, um, um, slept with his girlfriend after a <laughs> uh, Sam and Dave concert, um, without, without knowing that she, she, she said, she said, she said, I have to go, I have to go find my date. This is like three in the morning. And I said, Oh, uh, you know, where is he? He says, Oh, um, well, you might know him. His name's Hap Clark. He's our, he's a football coach. Like I went, Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Any, anyway, um, that's what it looked like. The guys, Carlson, were... we, we got to, before we just get back to the foot, we've got to chronicle the, the Carlson college years and turn it into some kind of <laughs> It'd make a great movie. We should work on it. <laughs> Netflix and Netflix drama. Um, and you know, that's what these guys just looked so tight. You, you kind of, you kind of half knew this was all, this was all going to happen. Um, the crazy thing to me was, was the, um, well, how do you, how do you put it? I think, I think the, the, the coaches have that sort of sense of offensive play calling as divorced from situational football. Um, both of them, uh, which you get sometimes in, you know, in Sean McVay or, you know, or the, but more in their proteges or Kyle Shanahan, you know, um, you know, where, where you, where you keep in the famous one, you know, where Atlanta keeps passing when, if they ran the ball three or four times, you would kill enough clock to, to win the Super Bowl. but you yeah. keep, you keep throwing the ball. Um, and, and it struck me that there, there was a big element of that in that. And then with Aaron Rodgers constantly looking like the world is letting him down <laughs> really does. As, as if he's the only person who gets it. You how's, know, he, and, how's he playing for you this season, Mike? Because the numbers are look good, but he's he's not as typically accurate as as we've seen. In, yeah, the the the, the, the thing the thing is the dependence on the receivers he likes hmm. starts to become a limitation. Right. I mean, I mean, I think Devon. I said the beginning of the season that I thought the two best receivers all round in the league were Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs, mm-hmm. and I think that they were like the second and fourth on the list of targets from their teams. But um, I think Diggs's percentage of targets is likely to, you know, go down a little bit where, where Adams is always going to be, you know, one of the, one of the two most targeted um, guys in the league. And, you know, we, we see that from Tom Brady, but the circle, the circle of trust, as they call it, (laughs) it it seems to be expanding. And there was an interesting thing um, from football outsiders yesterday that, in their DVOA ratings, which is their kind of overall thing, the number one quarterback in the NFL is Tom Brady, right? Um, the most efficient um, so statistically, and of course, you know he did nothing to um, to um, make you think that there was something something uh, wrong with that kind of. Um, although what we're discussing is Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and and Justin Herbert, you know, and for good reason. Mm. Um, you know, what we're not discussing, say, is is Ben Roethlisberger, who, you know, 
this Pittsburgh, it looks like Pittsburgh looks like a punch drunk fighter. You know, who's, <laughs> yes, it who's, does. Who's, who's like getting it? The whole team. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's not just Ben. It's the whole team that has taken on that that personality of it. And um, how crazy is that week one result gonna look? Uh, with, with, very, <laughs> very crazy. The Bills, it really is. But uh, let's um, just talk a bit on the Bengals because, firstly, Jamar Chase, uh, another impressive performance. I think. Jamar Chase and Rondale Moore tied for first as the most ex- exciting receivers to watch at the moment. Like when, it, when it's flipping around a red zone and they're in, involved in the action, you know it's going to be a standout play. Somebody, I won't take credit for it, but somebody called um, Kyler Murray and Rondale Moore the peanut M&Ms, which I, <laughs> which I thought was absolutely perfect. Rondale Moore, I couldn't believe that catch he made and I couldn't believe mm. that the defensive back wasn't, wasn't flagged or it was the J- Johnson wasn't wasn't flagged for pass interference. I mean, what more can you do to a guy? You know, he's he's literally holding him. He's got him in a bear hug yeah. around around the side, and Rondell Moore breaks out of the bear hug, yeah. and, and there's no flag, not for holding, not for interference. I mean, it, that's like, you know, well, you were you were you were at the White Hart Lane. I mean, if mm-hmm. Tony Preventi was the um, referee, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of non call you, you you would get you would get from him. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're just Jamar Chase was brilliant. I mean, and um, I'm not I'm not I'm not convinced he couldn't be more brilliant if you got him the ball more times, you know, but I, I'm not saying Joe Burrow ought to concentrate on him. But um, certainly the idea that you put you put together the college combo that worked um, is is definitely paying off, paying off for them. Disappointing um, defeat, obviously, for the Bengals. Because I think there's cause for optimism. I don't know how many even diehard Bengals fans would necessarily have felt that they were going to be a playoff team this season, but a good start. They've got Detroit this week. Now, Joe Burrow, one of the players injured this weekend, he was hospitalized with a throat contusion, which doesn't sound... Sounds uh, like somebody somebody gave him one of those um, karate chops, you know, kind of... In the uh, jugular, right. Um, Brandon Allen, incidentally, the Bengals' backup. They got Detroit next week, so... Uh, he'll play. Burrow will play. And, and I mean, that was crazy, too, when he got hurt the first time when it looked like a serious injury and he came back in, they call like a fourth down quarterback draw for him. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's okay, Joe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got Brandon Allen. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, Brandon Allen got that player. Yeah. So, but, but the, you know, the I, 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 I was going to make Mike on the Bengals was this a close call against a, a, a top tier team. You know, everybody was quick to write the, the uh, Packers off, of course, but they had demonstrated they're going to be a, a solid playoff side. These are the kind of games that the Bengals, yeah, when to demonstrate their credibility as a as a contender, it, it, it's not a perfect analogy, but um, it's the same kind of situation as last week when Jacksonville played the Bengals tough and lost. Right, that was the mo- that was a moment where a good coach takes advantage of that and and says you know points out what they did wrong, but points out what they did right and how they can build on that the next week. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the coach went to a PR event at his bar in Columbus. <laughs> so right. instead, but that's, you know, that that's, we'll talk about that next week when Jacksonville comes to town. Um, that, and- I mean, no, let's go there now. Cause the thing is it's come up because it, a quote, I, I think I was referenced it on the last show, either with Ollie uh, Connolly or, or Ollie, the producer for Amy Trask, who uh, of course, I'm sure, you know, 30 years in the, in the game, mainly in, in front offices and with the athletic these days saying she'd never seen Never heard, uh, not just with her teams, but across the league, of a single example of a head coach leaving his team, not traveling back with his team. And, and she said if, if it had happened, it would only be for a funeral or, a, you know, a, a birth of a child, a major event. Is there any way back for, for Urban Meyer after that? I mean, he, he must have lost. Well, I, I, you know, I wrote about this um, in my Patreon column this week um, and said pretty much the same, the same thing. I don't care what he did. You know, with a consenting adult who works for the PR company who was was doing the event that he had to attend, um, you know that that's neither here nor there. But it's on video, so everybody's clutching their pearls about it, yeah. um, and it might provide an excuse if they want to get rid of him. Mm. But yeah, but I, I agree. You know, coaches go back with their teams, players go back with their teams, unless there's a special reason. And and if you win, <laughs> special reasons. <laughs> There's a little more leeway on that, you know, and and Meyer makes enough money. So 
he could have flown back the next day. They could have rescheduled it. You know, he doesn't have to go in and work on, on the Friday and Saturday, although mm. most coaches would be, they'd be, you know, watching the film and they'd be prepping for the next game because they've got extra prep time. Um, and so, yeah, to me, that's how do you keep your team focused? If you're not focused, that's the basic right. question for a head coach. And, um, um, you know, we know that, we know that, um, the London game is a good time to get rid of coaches um, because you've got the bye week afterwards um, to, to recoup. But, but I mean, the questions about whether or not Meyer will be got rid of, we'll go into that. We can go into that on, you know, during the game week, um, you know, or when we're doing the game, um, which blessedly I'm doing for the BBC. Thank you yeah, very yeah, much yeah. With, with you. Um, so there'll be a lot to talk, that. We'll get talk, into that. talk about there, but yeah, but you know, that's, that's the basic rule of football is the team travels together, especially after a loss. And, you know, yeah. it goes back to when I was in high school and, you know, if you lost a game and you're on that school bus going back, you, you, the coach better not hear anybody laughing in the back of the bus, you know, um, cause, cause he then will go, go berserk. Yeah. And, yeah. But um, the point, the point I think being that Jacksonville against Cincinnati last week and Cincinnati against green Bay this week can take a lot of positives away from, the way they played. And, and I think in that division, it's going to be tough for Cincinnati to make the playoffs mm. um, because Baltimore and, and Cleveland are, are probably still ahead of them. Um, uh, well, they are ahead. They are ahead of them in, in terms of quality, but I, I think they passed Pittsburgh um, right now. You know, the only thing Pittsburgh's got going for them is their pass rush. Uh, and you saw that at the end of the game where, you know, they, um, Teddy Bridgewater just couldn't find a receiver um, because he was under so much pressure uh, when they had a chance to to win that game. So that you know, um, just to, on on the a similar situation, I, I guess you know fundamental differences with it too. But a, a similar situation in Vegas with the comments Gruden made a long time ago, but they came out and they're pretty <laughs> defensible. Even though he's tried yeah. to defend them, he's yeah. tried to say that he didn't mean any. Uh, there were no malice in the words and there were certainly no racist connotations, which I think is quite a spurious argument, frankly. And I don't think anybody's really taking that plausibly. Can he get the locker room back after something like that? I mean, Vegas. I, I don't know if he's lost the locker room. That's that's I mean, that's the first point. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that they, they made to Bruce, to Bruce Allen, given that like his brother was a very conservative con congressman or senator in Virginia. And, you know, right. Um, but it's interesting that Mike Tirico was saying, you know, no one should pay attention to this stuff. 10 years old, 10 years, 15 years ago, Mike Tirico was suspended from ESPN for yeah. <laughs> all, all, all kinds of trouble. Um, so yeah, let's forget that. You know, it's, it's like the structuralist uh, demand who came up with this whole theory of literature that what you wrote didn't mean anything. You know, it, it's like the, the meaning of the, of the, the books was, was in the, the structure of the sentences, not in what they were saying. And then it came out that, you know, during the war, he had written for an, for an SS newspaper in Paris. Right. And, you know, so yeah, let's forget about what you actually write. Um, and, but, um, but that's how, that's how he will retain the locker room, I guess. Is that yeah. Will... And he can't, he can't blame it on Mike Mayock. Um, right. That's the, and uh, you know, I, I think, do you think I think in danger? No, no. Um, I think what he says is, to the team, you know, is, is he probably apologizes. He, he says, you know, things were a little different, um, but you know, me, um, you know, you've, you've all dealt with me personally. If, yeah. you know, if you, if you think that this, this signifies that I'm a racist of some kind, you know, I, you know, I, I would hope I've already proved you wrong, but if I haven't, I will, you know, something like that. I don't think he loses the locker room for that. I think he could lose the locker room simply because the Raven, the Raiders are doing what the Raiders have done under Gruden, which mm -hmm. is get off to a fast start, look good. And then, and then revert back to a certain kind of form. Mm -hmm. His teams kind of figure out what they're doing and, and, and not doing so well. I thought Chicago played a very Vic Fangio kind of defensive game against them and, did, right, and yeah. did did very well that was one it's funny because there was there were so many crazy finishes and, and a couple of really big upsets in this but i wound up getting my main picks all all correct um which was kind of you know luck of the draw in the end but you know um yeah i thought san francisco could take away a lot against the game against arizona yeah um, what do you make of, of of trey lance he had 
89 yards on the ground. He was about 50% on complete. Yeah. He's not, not. I mean, somebody sent somebody sent a letter as well to to the to the mailbag. They actually had uh, actual letter. <laughs> yeah, an e- email. For, and and um, I don't think he, he he obviously isn't ready. Um, yeah, right. I, we said that about Justin Fields, and Fields looked a little more ready um, because they adjusted to Fields. They they sort of instead of having him run an Andy Dalton offense, they kind of asked him to run a, a more Justin Fields kind of offense. Um, Trey Lance was brought in to run a Kyle Shanahan offense. And I don't think he's quite ready to do that yet, but mm. you know, there were signs, you know, where, where he did some good things. He, he doesn't look downfield well enough for the NFL, um, which he didn't really have to do at North, at um, North Dakota state two years ago. And he shows that lack of experience. You know, sure. he, he, he looks really, really rusty, yeah. rusty and raw. And surprised yeah. about that i mean i think i'd let people assume you just slot in day one no it's not- why i said jimmy g would be the starter i right. didn't believe any of this kind of stuff that he would yeah. be um and i what do about- want to give give a shout out to um to that to the texans for for having the lead against new england where yeah right where they were trying hard to give the texans this win you know the the um <laughs> the, the two non-touchdowns uh one on that one on the dread um, illegal shift call and, and one on the Damian Harris, you know, did he lose the ball before he went over the line? Did he not? Um, Harris was hurt or else I would say Bill Belichick was doing his usual punish a guy who fumbles by not, <laughs> by not batting him on the <laughs> roster for the next three weeks, yeah. which, which doesn't really work in my mind, but, but um, with the, le- with David the lead, Cully, yeah. With David Cully though, with the lead, they try to fake, fake punt. <laughs> Right. And and it boomed, it boomed, so to speak, off one of the blockers helmets helmets. I'm, I mean, it was it was such a bad, such a bad play at that stage. And then the Patriots go in and score. And then on the next series, they try a 56 yard field goal, which misses. You know, you're still in the lead. You don't need to be scraping for the three points and give the Patriots back the field position. And, you know, this Patriots team had one starter on their offensive line. You know, it had three guys that had just come up. Well, not three. They weren't just off the practice squad. But, you know, uh, uh, Ted Karras and Kirk Ferentz, you know, which is great for nepotism because Ferentz's father is the coach at Iowa and Karras's whole family has played in the NFL. You know, right. his, his dad was great. And Alex Karras, everybody knows, of, of course. course. Um, you know, and and then Justin, Justin Heron and, and Yadni Kajust, which is one of the great names in the NFL. At the tackle, at the tackles, I mean, it, it was like, who are these guys? You know, <laughs> it's like if I were the defensive coordinator, I would have given the all the off the defensive linemen would have one of those quarterback kind of things on on their wrists, right. identifying who who they were. You know, and the quarterback would be able to, you know, so and so is the. Hang on, who's saying who's he? Is he the Mike? <laughs> Thank God yeah. they went on Sunday Night Football because they would have had ident's for any of them, Mike, and that would have been maybe they've gone back to your idea and just rolled down the line with a live cap. Let's talk NFL London. Of course, we have to. Wasn't it a great yeah. game by any stretch? But it was close, thank God. And, uh, and uh, well, yeah, to- Tony Preventi, Tony Preventi was doing his best to um, to keep, keep the game tight. keep to the keep game close. Carl Pitts um, is the was the headline act, of course. The Jets just had no answer for him, did they? No, um, and that's that's what you know. That's why they drafted him. Uh, everyone, everyone, you know, says fourth overall pick on a tight end. Well, they were looking at a tight end who will create matchup problems. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of what the Jets, what the Jets let him do. I really felt sure Atlanta was going to Atlanta that game away, mm-hmm. you know, um, but the Jets kind of helped out. Um, um, and it, well, defensively, the it, Jets kept him in it. I mean, and they were keeping. Yeah, I mean, they they, they played really, really well defensively, which you would expect um, mm. from, you know, because because that's that's what Salah has, has done is, is kind of try to create a, a Niners kind of defense. And, and he's done pretty well with that. Um, I thought, you know, I thought Wilson <laughs> at one point I, I tweeted a picture of a guy in a Western Union hat sitting in an old telegraph thing, probably mm. from the 1920s. 
And I, uh, I said, looks like Wilson's dropping back to pass again because <laughs> he was he was really tele- you know, looking, looking down his receivers and, and, and telegraphing. I thought the player of the game actually was Cordero Patterson, um, who has who who's become the number one weapon for, um, you know, because what if you called him a tight end, you know, you would have Kyle Pitts. If you called him a tight end, you know, people would say, oh, what? How are you going to defense this guy? But, you know, he, he threw a pass. <laughs> it wasn't complete, but he threw it. Um, but he ran. He caught ball. He had a kickoff return for 29 yards. You know, he's almost the only guy. He and Jamal Agnew, I think, are the only guys that I would let return kickoffs out of the end zone without, right. without like, express permission. High risk. Yeah. Do you put this down to, because obviously there was no Ridley, there was no Russell Gage, so one of the reasons why Pitts stepped up. And But this season, uh, Julio, of course, on to pastures news. So it's a, it's a thinner... Uh, thinner set of weapons that Matt Ryan has around him. But what do you put this resurgence or, or I guess, breakthrough season? It feels strange to say because he's been around the league so for so Matt long, Ryan, but, yeah, and for Cordero Patterson. If it's a oh, for Patterson, season. just just the fact, just the fact that he's being used, mm. um, even at the Patriots, where they turned him into a running back. Out of need, not out of it wasn't really this great brainwave, but they right. needed a running back because they all their backs were hurt. Um, you know, he did well, but they didn't trust him as a receiver. If you go back, he had a couple of drops in in the playoffs and they never went to him again, as yeah. Tom Brady as was Tom Brady's want. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think you have to take a little bit of the good with the bad, um, especially coming over the middle. He, he will drop, but he's a great threat in the in the red zone. Um, you know, uh, on one. Do you think when you balls. emerge as a as a special teams player, particularly a returner? like Patterson, similarly to, to Devin Hester, for example, you, you're never quite taken seriously as an out-and-out receiver. Uh, that's part of it. And But Hester had Hester had even fewer receiving skills. You know, Hester was kind of a one-trick pony in, in ter- and, and a gadget player, which Patterson now is a gadget player, but mm-hmm. he's got more he's got more um he's got more arsenal um he's got a lot of arsenal yeah on his team, as, as mike as mike lombardi would say um <laughs> he's got a lot the team's got a lot of arsenal there um he's got more arsenal than than a lot of guys do i mean the other thing to to remember although the, the jets defense kept them in the game atlanta ran 75 plays in that game and the jets ran 52 mm. that's almost unheard of the, you know atlanta had 450 yards offense and the Jets had 230. That's basically, yeah, yeah. it's basically two to one. Yeah. Um, you know, so it really was their game to lose. Um, Matt you know, Ryan, they, you mentioned him, 868 yards, eight touchdowns, no picks. Matt Ryan, and this is, he was one of the, the big stories coming into this season. Should they move on? Is it just a stopgap year? And is there an argument to say that they will look at re-upping Matt Ryan, keeping there for a couple of years and, and using the picks they'd otherwise spend on a, a quarterback? on building and strengthening elsewhere. Do you think Matt Ryan could have a long-term future there? Well, what's Matt Ryan? 38 now? 36? 36. Um, If I'm Arthur Smith, ooh, you have to keep him. I mean, they're not a team that you want to put a rookie quarterback in. And I doubt they want to spend the money to bring in another free agent. So, right. you know, if Tom Brady can be the top ranked quarterback at 30, at 44 and Aaron Rodgers can be playing brilliantly at 38, there's no reason why Ryan can't be playing as well as he's playing now. Um, he does have his limitations. I think he, I think he, you know, when the pressure comes on, he, he doesn't have that ability to evade. Um, that some of these other guys do. Uh, and he's not as willing as Brady is to sort of see the situation and throw the ball away or, you know, t- take the, and Brady of course has all those weapons now, all that arsenal. Mm. Um, and um, so that, that's one of the reasons why they sometimes struggle in fourth quarters is Ryan hangs in there to make plays that, you know, he can't really in the end, in the end make. He can't help um, himself. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, you know, if Hurst doesn't fumble, Hurst fumbled twice, I guess, but only lost one. But, mm. you know, they lose that. They probably win that game more easily, you mm. know, you know, but for that, um, it's um, it was it was an interesting it was an interesting game, you know. And and again, people moan that, you know, that the NFL's many years, you know, doesn't send premier matchup kind of games. Mm. But, you know, you have to always consider that. Nobody would expect Atlanta Jets to be a premier matchup game. I mean, any any game with the Jets is not, not a premier matchup. But um, 
but that doesn't mean they won't be good games. Right. Right. You know, or, and, and at very least entertaining games, you know, and, and I, and I think that's, you know, that that's one of the things that sort of gets overlooked in the equation, you know, well, plus for this weekend then, Mike. We yeah. Well, well, plus, well, I mean the, the story, um, um, you know, the real story with this game is quarter is quarterback matchup. Sure. Uh, basically. Um, now the fact that Miami's quarterback is hurt, but, you know, but, but, but two, you know, um, Tua versus Trevor Lawrence would be. It was tank for Trevor. It was tank for Tua. You know, you could build a story out of that. Um, but obviously, who's going to be a quarterback for Miami this week? Because um, Brissett was hurt, wasn't he? We, well, uh, there's there's talk that Tua could still still come over and play, right? I mean, there's hope that that's going to be the case. Well, he may come over. I I kind of maybe if Brissett's hurt, they they tend kind of drag him out there to, you know. Um, to yeah. play so but. yeah expect he's expected to return like wh- whether he plays well it would be a huge huge boost for them uh if he did and certainly for us to have stuff to to talk about and paint the game but more importantly i think with the dolphins is everything else and of course it's connected to a degree but as you pointed out the drop-off between Tua and jacoby Brissett isn't a significant one the dolphins have underwhelmed this season there was a huge amount of expectation going into the season are they done? I mean, they should win I, Jacksonville, but I mean, at this point, have they left too? Yeah, you see, this is this is the this is the interesting thing. I thought, you know, I thought Jacksonville was in with a shot against Tennessee. I mean, you couldn't pick them. I actually picked Tennessee as my best bet. Yeah, um, me too. Because they were they were they were only giving four points. You know, yeah, you couldn't yeah. really pick Jacksonville, but I thought they were in with a shot coming off the Cincinnati game. Did Tennessee's not edge rush, Mike, because that was my best bet. <laughs> yeah, and and Cincinnati, you know, was was um, Jacksonville was coming off a decent game against Cincinnati, so you thought, okay, there's maybe a shot there, but. I don't know if a win over Miami will be enough would be enough to institute the kind of um, optimism in in urban. Um, that, as I said, there's other factors involved, which we'll talk about um, with the firing of urban. But I think this is an, an important game for Jacksonville um, and a winnable game for Jacksonville because Miami's defense really looked flat-footed, um, mistake-prone against Tampa. Now Tampa's obviously a tough team. Um and so maybe they won't be. But you know, if I'm Brian Flores right now, I'm taking a, a quick look, you know, at at what we're doing. And, you know, and of course there was that early penalty on on Granderson, which was another one of these horrible penalties that mm. that this week was I mean, it was so full of bad penalties this week that Al Michaels said, you know, well, there's another one um, in, <laughs> in, in, and he did it twice in, in the game, you know, because obviously he'd been watching, watching the rest of the day, you know, and, and mm. you just don't know what's going to be called, mm. you know, roughing the passer has become hitting the passer. Um, you can do everything yeah. right. You, you know, yeah. you go in with your shoulder, you go in mid body to avoid, to avoid the head. You don't, um, you don't make the second effort, the second gesture yeah. that would be that would be, you know, kind of like driving him into the turf. Although yeah. in the Kansas City game, you could argue that that happened, that there was this kind of shoulder push mm. in. But but, you know, it was fairly innocuous if it was. And you still get flagged because like so many other things, they're looking at they're looking at the the result, not the process. Mm. And the penalty is supposed to be in the process, not in the result. But but everything is so much a judgment call, um, you know, a subjective rather than objective, mm. that it becomes impossible to to guess what's going to be called on any any given play. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm really frustrated by it. And and you have been, you know, and rightly so for a, for a number of years, and it's getting a problem. Seems to be getting worse, not better, right? I mean, there seems to be more inconsistencies. I mean, we understand why extra layers are being brought in, and yeah, been for for years for safety, but it's um. But it is it is frustrating to watch uh, for that reason alone that there's the lack of consistency. Yeah, because sure. because if you're not going by the rule and you say, well, OK, holding, obviously the, the, the worst ones are holding and, and interference. Interference. OK, you're not supposed to touch the receiver while the ball's in, while, you know, past the five yard chuck area and, and, and not while the ball's in the air. So if you say, well, it's OK, they can touch them as long as they're not gaining an advantage by touching them. 
And I always say, well, that's ridiculous because in, in the let it gains an advantage. Yeah. The, the equation between defender and receiver is not an equal one. The receiver right. has to catch the ball. The defender doesn't. Right. All he has to do is stop you. Make from catching sure it doesn't. It. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, bogus in the first place but then the second thing is once you say okay you can use your hands but only if you don't gain an advantage well what's what becomes the advantage yeah. how much of an advantage do you gain mm-hmm. and and pretty soon it becomes a significant advantage mm-hmm. you know and then the official has to judge on the run on the fly what is a significant advantage and he tends to go by the result so if if the receiver falls down uh, if the the guy who's being blocked falls down, if if he may if he makes the catch, or if he doesn't, make, you know that that becomes the determinant, not the act itself. And this will this only can get worse because each each new each new inch you give turns into two inches the next time, and three inches the next time, and pretty soon it's a mile. And I hate to use a cliche like that, but that's the way, that's the way that kind of thing works. And it's the NBA, it's the NBA ization. You got that. Of, of, <laughs> of the sport and, and people in the NBA are screaming the same thing. Mm. You know, there's no consistency because consistency is impossible. Mm. You've, you've legislated consistency out of it. And, and what you've then done is added more and more codicils to the rules to try to legislate inconsistency into the game. And then you have to hire Mike Pereira and, yeah. and, and um, Gene Sterator and Dino Blandino um, to, to explain why this legislated inconsistency is actually consistent. <laughs> I've got uh, two things to say as we wrap up. Firstly, excellent use of the word bogus, Mike. Uh, bonus points for that. Uh, great, it's a that. great word. It's a great word and an underused word. So I'm glad you dropped that in. Um, also, maybe the best way to resolve this, and you mentioned Gene Steratore and Dean Blandino, Mike Pereira, get the four of you into Club Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> That would be that would be insane because I would be I would be ranting and raving and going going off like that. And and you know how they they it's like it's like it's like a an investigative journalist asking the head of the CIA about drone programs or something. And then they'll they'll go into a five minute a five minute um lecture in jargon and phraseology that leaves you just well, how can you answer how can you answer it what to say now yeah <laughs> brilliant my god a wrap by uh, uh, giving a big shout out to jonathan jonathan littlemore uh, and his son who uh ollie and i met in the lift at spurs yesterday at the game um and he reached out to us and said he listens to the show and, and really enjoys it. Uh, big fan of yours, Carlson, of course. And uh, and he has sent us in a question because uh, he tweeted us afterwards to say it was it was nice to run into us. And and likewise, it was great to run into both of you. And I'm glad you had such a great time at the game. And he's fired in a question for you. So we're going to end on that. Uh, Jonathan asks, what was the biggest sliding door moment for the NFL? Belichick resigning from the New York Jets or Tom Brady falling to 199th in the draft. Uh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, Tom Brady didn't really fall to 199 in the draft. No one was taking. Him. <laughs> you know, it, it 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 it's it's very strange, and and it was just no one's taking it. You're four. I know, I know, but <laughs> it, it 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 implies that he was you know better at the time. Aaron Rodgers Ray- fell, I guess, is what you're trying yeah, to say. Yeah, Dick Dick Rabine. Um, Dick Rabine was the, the the quarterbacks coach or scout for the Patriots, and he liked Brady, even though Brady looked so unathletic at the combine that teams were scared off by him, and he couldn't he couldn't hold a starting job at Michigan, which was not his fault, as it turned out. Um, but sliding door moment means, if I'm interpreting it correctly, history would have been different, correct? You know, if it goes the other way, and I think it's probably Belichick turning down the Jets. Because if he doesn't turn down the Jets, he probably doesn't make his own decisions in terms of personnel and stuff like that, at least for a couple of years, because Bill Parcells was still there running the show. Mm-hmm. And he he resigned after a day because he realized he wanted to run the show himself. He didn't want to be still Bill Parcells' assistant. So if that's the case, then Brady never joins up with Belichick anyway. He's not, he's not there. And I wonder if Brady had gone 
you know, in pick 200 to somebody else. I, I'll have to look this up now and see who picked 200. Would have pick been. 200 yeah. You know, um, obviously, I don't think Brady becomes Brady and probably without Bella, without Brady, Belichick doesn't become Belichick um, because they were such a perfect match for each other. But but I don't think any of that happens if Belichick isn't gone from the. And it's interesting that you say that about meeting up with the in the elevator. Yeah, because because I had a I had a tweet on Sunday from a guy called Tom Senior. Um, and he and his father went to see a game it was his first NFL game ever after 14 years of being a fan. He was very, um, con- you know, um, appreciative. He was, he was giving me thanks for decoding the game for many people. Um, and, um, said the, the league owes you a lot, you know? And, and so I said, well, you know, thanks a lot. You know, maybe they'll pay off someday. Um, but, but what I, but then what I said to him was, you should have been in the, in the lift with that Coombs and Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the action and that was where the action was. Love so, yeah. So, th- so it was all a nice, complete circle. It's great hearing from people. Um, really appreciate it when you send, you know, send messages to the show or to me, uh, to you, you know, whatever it, it just, it, it really is to me why you know why you do the do the job you know apart from trying to make a living obviously but why you love doing the job i couldn't agree more and it was great to great to be out amongst you last weekend i might we're going to be back out amongst the nfl uk faithful this sunday of course to catch us on the bbc uh two o'clock we're on air i believe me you oc and j bell so looking forward to that for for Jags, Dolphins. Uh, I and Mike is back on this show next Monday, regular spot, of course, uh, the review show. Uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at Carlson Sports and read his stylings at patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, F-M-T-E. So go and get involved with all of the above. Brilliant stuff, bud. Look after yourself. Keep your socks on. Red Sox won last night. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff from Mike. As I said at the top, we're live on the BBC Sunday, but there's a lot more from this show before all of that. College Day is dropping by in a little bit. Our uh, College Day is dropping by in a little bit. Our preview show, Edge Rush. Ollie and I, Mike was quite throwaway about Edge Rush, but I like to say that me and all landed not quite a clean sweep, but pretty strong weekend once again. So if you want to get your action on, Edge Rush is the place to be there. So lots of great guests coming your way as we build up to the second NFL London game. And we roll into week six of what is turning out to be another tantalizing, fascinating season of the game we love. So we'll see you later on in the week. Bye for now, gang. Follow Baseball Nuts. Join us on the Johnny and Josh show with my baseball brothers where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend Eric Jansen will offer quirky baseball trivia. But we also have David Langell who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis. The Johnny and Josh show available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Podcast Network.